This is Nightlife with Suzanne Hill. My guest tonight playing you his favourite songs is probably most famous for a song he wrote back in the late 60s that became famous in 1974 and has to date been covered about 212 times. If I say Ralph McTell, you'll immediately know the song is Streets of London. He's in Australia on tour right now. I've got him sitting with me in the nightlife studio. And after we've played all of the other songs on Ralph's list, he's going to grab his guitar and play you a live version of Streets of London. Ralph, hello. Welcome back to Australia. Thank you very much. Yeah. Now, we'll tell some stories as we play your songs. And going right back, I understand you were named after an English composer called Ralph Vaughan Williams. Yes, I got very excited when I heard that because I didn't know my dad very well. He left the family home like lots of lads did after the Second World War, after my second, after my brother was born, his second child. So one day my mother said, oh, yeah, Ralph Vaughan Williams. And I said, Is, was my dad interested in, in, uh, in music like that, kind of classical music? And she said, no, no, I think him and his dad went round to dig a hole in his garden one day and he rather liked the name <laughs> Ralph. So, and it was a one-syllable name that couldn't be shortened. So that's, why, that's how I got Ralph. My brother's name was, is, is Bruce and he was named after a, a boxer called Bruce Woodcock, which is much more like... My, what I know about my dad, is, yeah. <laughs> so, but you had a moment of excitement yeah. there, thinking there was a musical connection. So, how was music a part of your upbringing then? Well, I think, like, my, I, the simplest answer to that is, I think most little boys in the fifties carried a harmonica in their pockets. You know, I, there were the harmonica aces on the radio, cheap little instrument. But you could play tunes on it, and I and I could play tunes on it almost immediately. It wasn't a mysterious thing for me, like the one-string fiddle I persuaded my grandfather to give me, which was made out of a cigar box and a broom handle and a, a bow with about three hairs on it. I mean, that just got put away in the corner. But the harmonica, as it was known as, or mouth organ, was just with me at all times, and... Uh, I just loved everything about it, like my first pair of Levi's. I used to take it out of the box and look at it all and and the same with the Levi's or count the studs and all that sort of thing. And I just learned to play ever so quickly and uh, I got to play Where Will the Baby's Dimple Be, uh, which was a, <laughs> a, a popular song of the day at the school pantomime. That was my debut, age 10. And and where was the moment where you said to yourself, this isn't just a hobby, this is actually where I'm going with my life? It might surprise you to know that I never thought that it would be um, a, a career. I just floated into it. Mm. I'm kind of a vague, dreamy sort of little kid when I was, uh, and, and when I was a teenager. I just was obsessed with the guitar mm. and what it could do and what it could say and what it meant to me. I was very seldom seen without it in my hand, and and now I'm an old geezer and it, I have a guitar on my sofa <laughs> permanently. I'm obsessed with the damn thing, you know. So the fact that I got invited to play in a folk club one day, a couple of tunes, because I was learning how to finger pick and stuff, mm-hmm. and there weren't that many that could do it, I suppose, to that level. And then gradually these finger-picking, noodling, as I call them, <clears throat> developed into proper tunes and so a friend said well you should write some words for that and then the songs began to emerge and I, I pinched myself to be honest with you that I have made a living out of music mm-hmm. when I, I was not driven by ambition in fact 
was anti it, to be honest. So I avoided chances to go into the overground in favour of just liking where I'm at at the with the level I'm at and mm. what I can what I do for for performance. Mm. You know. Was there ever another career that you started to explore? Uh, at one point when I was doing very badly at school, uh, after news of my father's uh, accidental death occurred, and I, because I'd always hoped I'd seen my academic studies went down the pan, and I, I joined the army. Um, temper for a period. Um, at fifteen, you could join as a boy soldier, and I did about six months before I wrote my first begging letter to my mother to borrow the money to get me out. Get out, and, get me uh, out of here. And, and she did, bless her. And I managed to thank her very effusively at the time and even once more uh, when she was really getting on in, in life. And uh, just to say thank you for that, Mum, because none of this would have happened if I'd uh, been left in the army. Um, yeah, I I just have never really had a great driving ambition for music. But once you're in it, you, you know, you it's hard to hang on to your 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 musical standards and criteria when you've had a big hit. Mm. Um, and people say, when are you going to do a follow up? Well, it's been a very long time. I'm not even looking for one. Never have, but I'm, I just want to keep writing songs and performing. My guest on Nightlife tonight is Ralph McTell. Now let's jump into the playlist, Ralph. Our first song is "My Very Good Friend the Milkman" by Fats Waller. Why is this song on your list for us tonight? Well, there was a program on radio in England, BBC Radio in the morning, called Housewives' Choice, and occasionally I would catch it and. Uh, you know, it's it's probably sounds sexist now to say housewives, but at the time it was just run of the mill music. It was a couple of jolly things, but when this man came on the radio, it just gave the whole thing a lift. An amazing pianist um, that branched into a jazz pianist, blues pianist when he was a young man. Some of his recordings at nineteen are quite incredible. This is a beautifully constructed pop song of the day an American, by an American writer called Razaf, I think his name was. And uh, Fats made it his own, and his lovely piano player underscores it, and this great sense of fun that was generally missing in British life after the war, you know. So Fats, later on, when I discovered my own guitar heroes, it was plain that the style of piano that they were imitating on the guitar was, was definitely influenced by players like Fats Waller. And it's just so jolly and such a clever little song that I still love to hear it. My very good friend, the milkman, Fats Waller. My very good friend, the milkman said That I've been losing too much sleep he doesn't like the hours I keep He suggests that you should marry me <laughs> My very good friend, the milkman from Fats Waller uh, Chosen for you tonight by Ralph McTell Who's in the nightlife studio with me you were really enjoying listening to that, weren't oh, you? Oh, I love it, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's so beautifully set up and a little mm. solo in the middle and a lovely bit of Fats' piano and then a trumpet solo. It's just just a joy. Yeah. Now, as a teenager and a young man, I understand you were really captivated by the American beatnik scene. Take yeah. us back to sort of discovering that and what it was about you know, Jack Kerouac and Ginsberg that really appealed to you. Well, I, I call it the knowledge. I don't know what... It, you know, when I was a young man, I was brought up as uh, to believe in fairies and ghosts and Jesus and all the rest of it. 
And when I when I got to be a teenager, about thirteen, I started to have doubts about everything. And there were all I was always attracted to these mysterious people who had ideas especially connected with music or the arts and poetry. And, of course, the beatnik thing film mm. absolutely encapsulates that. And although I never studied any beatnik philosophy through books or anything like that, I was aware of characters that were plainly... They dressed in a certain way and so on. And I found my way into their company because I could play a little bit of guitar. It wasn't West Coast jazz, which was the most beatnik kind of music. But I got into this subculture, and 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 these guys seemed to know things. And I was introduced to poems by Ginsberg and Ferlinghetti and and Dylan Thomas, actually, which I never got at school because by this time I would have been about fifteen, sixteen, mm. going seventeen. And the subculture relied on having no money, a lot of whimsical talk over a co- black coffee in unfurnished <laughs> rooms, and and it was. I just thought there's something here. There's some knowledge here that I can t- that I w- will be revealed to me. It's, it hasn't actually, but I'm still in that sort of uh, in that sort of zone. I think. Well, so what did you have to wear as part of a beatnik? Well, my chosen. Well, the boys would have probably worn. Tattered jeans and uh, corduroys. I wore like ex army stuff that I could buy from the ex army mm. uh, surplus stores, and uh, and then I discovered I was talking about Levi jeans. You know, at that time they were two guineas or something, two pounds, two shillings, and people say you paid how much for a pair of jeans because they only came from the American. Naffy or whatever it is, the American uh, kind of service supermarkets. So the lads used to go over to Paris and buy them, and I got my first pair, and you could wash them, and they would shrink to fit you, and you could practically stand them up. They were made of such thick material. So that would be the jeans, and then I'd desert boots and and started growing my hair long and uh, and all that, yeah. Yeah, wow, fully into it. (laughs) Now, I know you got captivated by Skiffle. Our next uh, track is Rock Island Line by Lonnie Donegan, um, a Scottish singer who kind of kicked off the Skiffle craze in the UK. But I think I need an explanation of what Skiffle is. Well, it's horrible, really. It was, it was, boys, that, but it was something exciting. No one is at that time had had the excitement that Donegan could create with a strummed rhythm guitar, borrowing from the American tradition. This is actually a song by the great Huddy Ledbetter, the double murderer that played a 12 string and was in prison for God knows. He told the story of, of, the, of the black driver of the train fooling the customs man, basically, about the stock he was carrying. I knew nothing of this. All <laughs> I could hear was Lonnie's excitement. So Skiffle was a rhythm guitar, sometimes a banjo, usually a, a deafening washboard played with thimbles, and a double bass made out of a tea chest broom pole and a bit of string, a single string. And anyone could do it if you had one guitar, I think. Because um, improvised could... instruments was kind of part of the skiffle thing, wasn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. It had to be those instruments. And I, somebody had the temerity to bring out an album of skiffle songs from the 1950s. I'm like, it's terrible. Actually, it's just <laughs> nothing to commend it at all. But if you listen to Lonnie... He had an energy that is, you know, undeniable and it, uh, it still communicates, I think. Now, this here's a story about the Rock Island Line. Now, Rock Island Line, she runs down into New Orleans. And just outside of New Orleans, there's a big toll gate. And all the trains, they go through the toll gate while they, they got to pay the man some money. But of course, if you've got certain things on board, you're okay. You don't have to pay a man nothing. 
And just now we see a train, she coming down the line. And when she come up near the toll gate, the driver, he shout down to the man. He say, I got pigs. Short, fast and furious. So. I exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Ralph, you were just telling me that um, after Lonnie Donegan died, there was a, a bit of a tribute concert to him, yeah. and so many people talk about that song being hugely influential. Yeah, that and all other Lonnie's other songs as well. He went mm. into the Woody Guthrie songbook, who I discovered much later mm. as the great, you know, socialist sort of workers' rights uh, philosopher. And, and we will get to Woody, player, yeah. dear old Woody. Um, yeah, and uh, this show that we did to celebrate Lonnie's life was Chaz and Dave, was Mark Knopfler, there was Joe Cocker, there was uh, Van Morrison. I mean, the list was unbelievable. And I, I was invited to come along because I, I think they'd all had to have been in a skiffle group at some time. Some of them would have lied just to be there to <laughs> salute Lonnie. But it really did begin with him about this guitar obsession, I think, for mm. us in England. You're on Nightlife on ABC Radio. It's Suzanne Hill with you on this Saturday night. My guest in the studio with me is Ralph McTell, who is later in this hour going to uh, do a live version of The Streets of London for you. He's in Australia touring. You can catch him uh, this coming Wednesday, February 28th, at the Hamilton Performing Arts Centre. Um, Friday, next Friday, the Capitol Theatre in Bendigo, uh, Saturday, March the 2nd in Upwe, Victoria. Thursday, March the 7th at uh, the Shed Theatre in Main Ridge, Victoria. And then, Ralph, you and I will have to meet up. We're both going to be at the Port Ferry Folk Festival yeah. on uh, Saturday, March the 9th and Sunday, March the 10th. Yeah, it's going to be great. Doing a couple of shows there, are you? I think so, yeah. I just hope I get in between when they have a quieter set because sometimes when you're tinkling away on an acoustic guitar, you get you get um, distracted by the bass player in the next tent and get all yeah. co- a bit confused, but it's a wonderful festival with a great atmosphere and I'm really looking forward to Yeah, that's right. You don't want to be next to the party tent, I guess, while it's all uh, while you're trying to do something quiet. Now, you've got a few American artists on your list. I've got Elvis up next with Heartbreak Hotel. Where does Elvis fit in for you? Well, I, as I said to you earlier on, my mum had to raise her two boys on her own and, but luckily for her and for us, we had a, she had a sister in the country uh, in a place near well, called Banbury from the nursery on Banbury Cross. You might remember that mm. anyway. It was in the country, and for us two boys, we just had the most marvellous time. And my cousins, two girls, were both older than us. And my older cousin, Suzanne, she had a record player, and it played 78s. And one of them was by a young fella from America called Elvis Presley, who played a guitar and sang a song which I must have played a hundred times when she was out of school or whatever. We were on holidays there, and I thought, how does he get there? You know, this this echo chamber and thing. I never heard these sounds before, and I don't know, I still... It was ages before I could decipher all the words of the song, but the mood of it, it was so exciting, and dare I say, sexy and dangerous. It was... And it just turned me on as an 11-year-old or whatever I was. I can't remember now. A long time ago. <laughs> Elvis Presley, Heartbreak Hotel. Well, since my baby left me, well, I found a new place to dwell. Well, it's down at the end of a lonely street, that Heartbreak Hotel where I'll be. I'll be just so lonely, baby. Well, I'm so lonely. I'll be just so lonely. I could die. 
is. Oh, she's just listening to that, Ralph. I was like, oh, I can really feel that kind of sexy energy yeah, flowing right through it. It was incredible. Nothing like that existed before. And, you know, when the miracle was going, what's going on? I've, you know, I've just recently seen the, um, the, the film, I think it was on the flight coming, yeah, it was on the flight coming over, uh, the Elvis tribute film. And I was there, so I don't didn't agree with all of it. I mean, I was, uh, but it was interesting. But the effect that Elvis had, even with a, just a, a double bass and a, a drummer and one guitar and him thrashing about, incredible. No one had done it before, and people have tried since. I suppose some have succeeded, but he was the king. Yeah, I know. I often look back, and I mean, even I'm you know a bit younger, so by the time I started listening to music, a lot had already been done. But sometimes I think for the the kids who were growing up in the fifties, yeah. this just changed it just, everything new. These musical revolutions must have been astounding. And I lived through it. I was just a preteen, really. Uh, but it was all around us. It suddenly it was like we'd been looking at a black and white film and suddenly mm. someone put some colour in it and the life just changed. Ralph McTell is here on Nightlife playing you some of his favourite songs. Uh, we're staying with the Americans. Buddy Holly, that'll be the day. Yeah, now Buddy Holly, what a genius. You see, it's very rare that you get it all in one packet. He looks good. He looks strange with those dark those glasses. He played an electric guitar, very sexy instrument wrote incredible songs and sang them well. He had a lot. And we just loved him. And for me, my first skiffle group, which was with three ukulele players and a banjo player who was deafening, a T-chest brace as well, we learned several of Buddy's songs. Um, and, and they were basically three chords, but what he got out of those three chords were lovely tunes that are absolutely timeless. And as Don <laughs> McLean so wisely said, when, when Buddy got killed, I was at school and somebody said, Buddy Holly's dead. And it was like, what? What happened? And it was just so sad. And then that incredible record came out afterwards, um, Raining in My Heart, which I recorded just to the kind of a bluesy version of it. Buddy's talents are extraordinary alongside people like Eddie Cochran they're two genius and they were both killed before they were 30 in accidents and it's extraordinary but it was something the spirit of rock and roll with a bit of country thrown in especially with Buddy uh, was the right ingredients for me and I love them Ralph McTell and I have a bit of a sing-along yeah. in the studio, I have to say. Uh, Ralph McTell is my guest on Nightlife, playing you some of his favourite songs. Now, you were talking about you had the music, Ralph, and then people were encouraging you to put some lyrics to it. And, you know, you went into storytelling because that's, that's mm. what folk is about. But when did you first feel that sense of, you know, looking around you and seeing people's stories and collecting them in your mind? From about eight. I guess I just was a people watcher always. Why does he walk that way? Why does she look this way? Why is she wearing that? Why did it? And I used to walk past the pub at the, down the end of the road and hear people singing on a Saturday night and I'm totally fascinated by things outside 
the curriculum, you know. We, my street, there was an artist called Cicely M. Barker that used to use the local kids for poetry. She wrote a series of books called The Flower Fairies. I hasten to add I wasn't a flower fairy. I was a little shepherd boy in one book and an, and a Christmas card that she designed. But also we had very poor people, um, you know, as well, all in the same street. It was a really incredible mix and people and characters and their lives real or imagined filled my head always 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 did and I wasn't very good at writing essays but somehow when I started writing songs um, the condensation of those ideas formed the basis of all the narrative songs that I do I think you know mm. just watching people when I was a kid yeah and so some of those people you saw when you were a kid made their way into your songs well certainly Streets of London was mm. one that you mentioned earlier I mean the character in the first verse was a fellow that used to walk down through Surrey Street Market when I was a kid just looking idly as if he was kicking th through leaves but he was actually looking for things that had dropped off the stalls and stuff like that mm. you know that's what he was looking for and so on, yes. That, so the uh, observation and later on with a song I wrote called From Clare to Here about the Irish situation, the Irish migrants to England for work and the kind of mentality they drop into. These little things stay in your head and when you start putting the music to it, you know, oh, that's, that would fit in there. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then you explore it and you work on it and then you've polished it until it's a song. Mm. Um, next up on our list, I've got San Francisco Bay Blues by Ramblin' Jack Elliott. Now, I'd never heard of him before tonight, Ralph. I understand he was a Jewish kid who wanted to be a cowboy, left Correct. New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was a son of a New York doctor, I think. But when I heard him, somehow all the things like Donegan and all this, I went, what is this? And, of course, there was a jazz sequence to this song, as, as you'll hear. If it was played in a jazz band, it would fit perfectly well. And there was some technique he was using, kind of basically they call it flat picking, where you play a bit of the melody and bass lines in. Do you know what? I haven't heard this song for maybe 50 years, so I hope it's not going to embarrass me when I hear it, but it was <laughs> profoundly influential on me. All right, here we go. Ramblin' Jack Elliott and San Francisco Bay Blues. across the bay from San Francisco. So 50 years later, did it live up to your memories, Ralph? Well, eventually, yes. I was a little <laughs> bit thinking, goodness me, how, how enthralled I was with that. But, you know, yeah, it was the start of something. It was really the start of my musical career once I could play that. And it led me into a voyage of discovery of guitar players and pickers and singers and writers that... Mm. Uh, yeah, still with me. And you played that a lot, not in the streets of London, but the streets of Paris. Yeah, it was my one of those ch tunes that I used to use when I was busking with some pals over, over there and we were living the life in the West, but living the life, struggling for existence, <laughs> more like it, on the, on the uh, what do they call it, the, the South, not the South Bank, the Latin Quarter. Right, but, but that sounds very beatnik still, struggling for existence. A little bit, you know? a little bit. We made enough to get a room and something to eat most nights, but... Um, yeah, but the best thing, I met my wife there in Paris and we were, we've been married for 56 years now. Oh, goodness me. Well, mm. Congratulations. Mm, so how did, that, how did that moment occur? Did she see you busking? Well, a friend of mine rang me up and said, I'd gone back over to England for Christmas because my old mum was on the right. And I, thought, I went over back over to Chris, for Christmas and, and I got a call 
via a friend of mine's group. We didn't have a phone. People mm. didn't have phones. It's hard to believe, isn't it? And he, and he said, I've got a couple of girls here that will go bottling for us. That meant collecting the money on the queue. So I went over and gradually, um, uh, you know, the way these things developed, yeah. we, we, we uh, fell in love and uh, that was it. Really. That was history. So how long did you busk in Paris for? Ah, uh, probably no more than about four months, right. but it was enough to to bring me out of my shell a little yeah. bit, playing on the shell. Oh, God, I was so nervous that I was going to get banged up in prison because they were, De Gaulle was uh, ruling, and he there were too many. <laughs> there was this accordion player said half of these kids come over and they've learned to play the guitar on the boat coming over the boat coming over only takes two hours from England so and he was jealous because he couldn't get um, his pitch right but we uh, yeah it was great times we had a lot of fun yeah and that song uh, San Francisco Bay Blues always a winner I think it must have helped yeah. because uh, with two guitars thrashing away, even yeah. if you even if you didn't get the sentiment of the song, it was rhythmic and fun. Yeah. You know. Yeah. My guest is Ralph McTell. Uh, you're on Nightlife on this Saturday night. Suzanne Hill with you. Now, Rambling Jack actually has a connection with Woody Guthrie, who's Definitely. our next performer, because I know that he studied with Woody, didn't he? He did. He became a complete acolyte. In fact, Woody had to hit hint rather strongly to leave him alone and it started with an F and uh, that was when Jack was following around I have that on a good good authority Jack became more like Woody than uh, than Woody when I actually heard Woody I'm ashamed to say I was slightly disappointed because I thought he'd be even more authentic sounding than Jack was already but Woody was from Oklahoma and he was a a wandering boy not very loyal to his uh, several wives but committed to um, the rights of the working man. He was a union man. He, he read the grapes of wrath and said that he travelled on freight trains and moved west with the migrants, some of which may have been true, mm-hmm. although nowadays a lot of the scholars say it was more like a novel than, a, than an autobiography. A Steinbeck novel, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I love Woody and I wrote to him when I was a kid. He was, our first fan letter I ever wrote was wow. to Woody Guthrie, yeah. So you've got This Land Is Your Land. Anything yeah. particular to say about the song? Well, I think it's a glorious affirmation of the words on the on the Statue of Liberty that certain ex-presidents are choosing to ignore right now. Bring me your huddled masses and this is the land where you will be treated as an equal. You will experience freedom. And that's what the basis of, um, you know, the American Declaration of you know, All Men Created Evil, Equal, All Men Created Equal. And... Uh, Woody's affirmation of the rights of the working people and the impoverished is was just what I needed at that time because I was I was very kind of moved towards the left. I could play the guitar a bit. I liked songs that said something and meant something. And Woody ticked all those boxes. This land is your land, and this land is my land. From the California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters, this land was made for you and me. Woody Guthrie, this land is your land. One of the picks from my guest tonight, Ralph McTell. Um, I'll just remind you where Ralph is headed again. Let's see. Um, 
lost the first page. Here we are. Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, uh, Hamilton in Victoria, Bendigo, Friday, March 1st, Saturday, March 2nd in Upwe, and then Thursday, March the 7th, Main Ridge, and then Saturday, March 9 and Sunday, March 10 at the Port Ferry Folk Festival. And I know tickets are on sale for that, portferryfolkfestival.com, where you can also participate in a live pop quiz with me and you'll get your very own magnet even if you don't win. Um, <laughs> have to get a pitch in for that too while I'm, I'm here, Ralph. Now, we have the Beatles. She's leaving home yeah. up next. The Beatles came into my life when I was about 17 and uh, I ignored them. I was still basically listening to John Lee Hooker and Blind Boy Fuller and Big Bill Brunsey and on the blues trail and I, I largely ignored them except I was... Interested that John Lennon chose to play a J45 guitar like Mike Gibson. But then you can't ignore genius for too too long. I, I think when Sgt Pepper came out was the first time I took, well, no, second time, because I bought, or somebody bought me Rubber Soul, the album that preceded that, I think, or two preceded that. And on... Sergeant Pepper, there was just, it was as fresh and an unusual and as inspired, as inspiring to me as hearing Elvis Presley. You know, there was something going on that I didn't know, but a condensation of lots of things. But I've singled out She's Leaving Home as a mini masterpiece. The, 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 the suggestions in this song as to what's gone on, the parents misunderstanding their children, the child the little girl, the young girl in this case, going off to meet a man in the motor trade is obviously shady, isn't he? They don't say use car dealer, but the inference is it's just so clever and the harmonies, it's, it's almost operatic. In three or four minutes, it's just a piece of sheer brilliance. Wednesday morning at five o'clock as the day begins Silently closing her bedroom door Leaving the note that she hoped would say more She goes down Wow, that really is a masterpiece. Um, Ralph uh, Ralph McTell is my guest on Nightlife. That was the Beatles. She's leaving home. Now, I've got such a treat. This isn't something we normally get to do uh, when we bring you a playlist on Nightlife. But Ralph's going to pick up his guitar in a couple of minutes' time and play the streets of London for you. So it, it take us back to the streets of London and writing it, Ralph, and the inspiration for it. Well, I mentioned earlier that, you know, um, when you noodle on the guitar, sort of little tunes or bits of tunes emerge. And uh, an American friend of mine in Paris said to me, that's really pretty rough. You should write some words to it. And I said, uh, well, that was first time. It was like getting a pat on the back. And I said, because he was a wonderful guitar player himself. So I, you know, didn't have to look very far in Paris because we were we were on our uppers, me and my pals. And, uh, you know, this is before I met my wife. And... Uh, there were people sleeping over the hot air gratings in the Par- over the Paris metro, and they would take their boots off and sleep with the boots under their head in case some other person came and stole their boots. I thought, geez, this is awful. And I was going to write, uh, have you seen, etc. Um, the Poor People of Paris was an idea, and I thought, There's a, that's a title of a song I've already heard. So I thought, well, if I've got the tune and I've got the the idea about people that are sort of alienated from the city and and so on 
And I started, I went back to my days growing up in South London of about an old chap I mentioned earlier about an old chap who used to walk through the market, apparently nonchalantly kicking through the papers, but he really had a different motive, picking up bits of fruit and odds and ends that were left after the market closed. And there's something about his isolation walking through, and then the old girl with the, with the, with the home with her two carrier bags, which we used to call bag ladies, who seemed to have not so many of them now. It was a different kind of street person. And suddenly I had two verses, and a third verse emerged from a, a place I'd heard about rather than being to an all-night cafe in Fleet Street in the centre of, of London. And I gave it to a friend of mine, and um, I offered it to a pro- profesh- semi-professional singer. He said, oh, no, it's too sad, Ralph. So it didn't go on my first album, mm. but eventually um, we recorded it thanks to Gus Dudgeon, who insisted that I did one take on my second album. Against my better judgment, I thought I should left that behind but then within two or three days we had our first cover version of the album <laughs> wow, coming out really? and now we've had 400 and something oh I said 200 yeah no we had a researcher on. just went into it recently and he got over 400 registered copies and thousands of things on the, on the YouTube you know <laughs> uh, uh, attempts uh, efforts and recordings of it well, it's just as well you overcame the um, <laughs> reluctance to put it on the album what it do you think it life, is you yeah. know what do you think it is about that song that I have has no idea. really not a bit? And you know that's a weird thing. You know, in the sixties we had Dylan writing songs of protests and social awareness, and lots of people when they started writing weren't writing love songs and that because that was all taken care of by pop music. Mm-hmm. They wrote songs about all oh, you know wars or you know um, countries or idealism and stuff like that. And I think well, I'm going to write about alienated people in the city. I mean, I didn't actually know that's what it was, but I also had a, it's a bit sad this, but I had a friend who was deliberately drifted into heroin use and he said to me, well, I do get lonely. And I said, well, you know, you could do something about it. So when I put the chorus together, I very much had this friend of mine. He's one of the guys that I went to Paris with, actually. Um, He's no longer with us. But, um, yeah, there's a lot in there. So when I sing the song, I don't get, cynical about it I go right into it every time I play it and I see those characters and and think about those times Ralph we'll get you to pick up your guitar and play for us now thank you so much for being with us on Nightlife and sharing these songs with us Oh, I really enjoyed it thank you very much Ralph McTell and as I said he will pick up his guitar now and play us the streets of London Have you seen the old man in the closed-down market Kicking up the papers with his worn-out shoes In his eyes you see no pride and hopelessly at his side Yesterday's paper telling yesterday's news So how can you tell me you're lonely And you say for you that the sun don't shine Let me take you by the hand and lead you Through the streets of London I'll show you something to make you change your mind 
Have you seen the old gal who walks the streets of London? Dirt in her hair and her clothes in rags. She's no time for talking, she just keeps right on walking, carrying her home into carrier bags. So how can you tell me that you're lonely And you say for you that the sun don't shine Oh, let me take you by the hand and lead you Through the streets of London And I'll show you something To make you change your mind In the all-night cafe At a quarter past eleven Same old man Sitting there on his own Looking at the world over the rim Of his teacup And each tea lasts an hour And he wanders home alone So how can you tell me that you're lonely You say for you that the sun don't shine Let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of London And I'll show you something to make you change your mind Have you seen the old man? Outside the seaman's mission Memory fading with the metal ribbons that he wears And in our winter city the rain cries A little pity for one more forgotten hero And a world that doesn't care So how can you tell me You're lonely And you say for you That the sun don't shine Well let me take you by the hand And lead you through the streets of London And I'll show you something To make you change your mind 